0: Chapter Ten of More About Pixie by Mrs. George DeHorn vesey This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Pixie's reminiscences. It is wonderful what money can do in conjunction with generous impulse and ingenious brain. Esmeralda hung on to Bridgie's arm, relating in breathless accounts how, being herself unable to go abroad until after the New Year the happy inspiration had occurred to geoffrey of despatching the french maid to her native city to bring back the dear living christmas present which now stood before them how the travellers had arrived on the previous evening afire with delight at their own share in the conspiracy how she herself had conceived the idea of presenting pixie in the form of a portrait and had brought the frame from home and tacked across it a piece of black gauze to heighten the picture-like effect and i put the lamp as far away from it as possible and covered it over so that she might not have to keep still too long oh if you could only have seen yourselves staring at her and taking it all in grim earnest i never never enjoyed anything so much in my days is it oil colours i am or water i'm flattered ain't i as a portrait ought to be you couldn't imagine i could be so neat cried pixie tauntingly as she pirouetted to and fro on the top of the table to which she had lightly sprung at the first moment of discovery she looked like a big french doll as she swung from side to side her hands outheld her shoulders raised her tiny feet twinkling to and fro her pink frock was marvellously smart the flounces stood out in jaunty fashion around the ankles the sash encircled a tiny waist and the brothers and sisters stood looking on joy incredulity amaze written on their faces bridgie's arms kept stretching out and falling back to her side with automatic regularity and still the little figure pranced and gesticulated and blew kisses to right and left at one moment a merry irish vagabond at the next a french marionette all smirks and bows and shrugging shoulders we got the better of you that time i'm thinking oh la la how it was droll to hear you all making your pleasantries upon me while i kept still so still i have never been so still but when i am up to mischief if ye could have seen under the table i was shaking like a jelly but esmeralda said i'll pack ye back as quick as ye came if ye spoil it on me after all me trouble figure it to yourselves i was sitting so treased by myself in the salon thinking of you all at home and the fun ye'd have without me and the slices of plum-pudding fried up the next day the way i like them best and never a bite to come my way when beheld i the door opened and there enters to me marie all smiles and complaisance everything is altered she bears a letter from madame hilliard i must pack my box and say my farewells and be ready to start by train the next day fortunately all is ready Therese has already prepared for my return there is nothing to do but lay the things in the box and drive away and what did Therese say to it all how did she and impair like parting from you in such a hurry they wept said pixie tragically her shoulders approached her ears in eloquent gesture but how they wept i also wept to see them weep and marie wept to leave her dear paris she paused and the solemn expression gave place to a broad smile of enjoyment there wasn't a dry rag between the four of us and pear took snuff to console himself and that started him crying harder than ever i was so flurried i couldn't tell which was the topmost joy or sorrow until we had ham and eggs for breakfast this morning and i felt i was at home it's an awful thing to live in a country where there's never a bite of solid food to cheer your spirits in the morning many's the time me heart would bleed thinking of miles if he'd been there are you glad to see me boys now you know that i'm real there was no doubt about that when at last the little sister condescended to step down from her perch she was passed from one to another in a series of bear-like hugs from which she emerged flushed and complacent to step briskly towards sylvia and kiss her effusively upon the cheek how do you do me dear and how's your illness i've heard so much about it that i expected to see you worse you look too pretty to be an invalid Hear here, muttered Jack softly. Sylvia blushed and gripped the little hand which lay so confidingly in her own. Thank you very much. I'm getting better, but I don't feel at all pretty. I'm lame, and have to limp about wherever I go, and my hair is tumbling out. I have the greatest difficulty to make it look respectable. I shall be bald soon. Pixie craned forward and examined her head with sorrowful candor it is thin ye can see the scalp shining through like shot silk You will look like an old man with a bald head but never mind think of the saving in the morning it will be so easy to do your hair there was a burst of laughter from brothers and sisters while sylvia covered her face with her hands and rocked to and fro in mock despair you need never be unduly elated by a compliment from pixie miss trevor said geoffrey hilliard meaningly she is the most transparently truthful person i ever encountered and favoured me with several character sketches of my wife before we were engaged which might have warned me of my fate if i had been a sensible fellow i have remembered them pixie many a time since then and i am glad to find your foreign experiences have not affected your candour there's another thing that is not much altered so far as i can hear and that's your brogue my dear it sounds to me almost as pronounced as in the old days when you were running wild at knock but it's got a french accent to it now that's better than english cried pixie eagerly i was learning to speak quite elegantly in surbiton but therese wouldn't listen to a word of english out of my mouth and if you'll believe me me dears my very dreams are in french the last few months there was jeune phil in paris who used to promenade with us sometimes for the benefit of hearing me talk english she said the words didn't sound the same way as when they taught them to her at school est les miserables the brogue of her put shame on me own before i came away the shoulders went up again and a roguish smile lit up the little face bridgie watched it with rapt adoring eyes her pixie her baby was now a big girl almost grown up transformed from the forlorn-looking elf to a natty little personage more like the pictures of jeune fille on the back of french pattern plates than she could have believed possible for irish flesh and blood imitative pixie had caught the air and the good therese had evidently taken immense pains with the costume in which her pupil should make her reappearance in the family circle bridgie gazed at the buckled high-heeled shoes peeping from beneath the flounces and wondered if it could really be that they held the same little feet which used to patter about buttonless and down at heel she looked at the jaunty outstanding bow which tied back the hair and contrasted it with the wisp of ribbon twisted to the proportions of a tape and knotted like a cat-o'-nine-tails which used to bind together the straggly locks and as she looked she felt shall it be confessed a pang of longing and regret for the days that were no more it passed in a moment for whatever her external appearance might be pixie was transparently the same at heart and quick to note the faintest shadow on the face of the dear mother's sister she swung round to face bridgie the grey eyes bent upon her in earnest scrutiny they saw something written there that had not been visible two years before the outward marks of an inward and very bitter struggle and bridgie flushed beneath the scrutiny of that clear-seeing childlike gaze and trembled at the thought of what was to come has any one been unkind to ye bridgie asked pixie in deep full-throated tones she put up her hand and stroked the soft cheek with a tenderness of pitying love which was more eloquent than words there are dips in your cheeks like miss minutes when she was getting over the fever and your eyes look tired what has happened to worry ye me dear and take the colour out of your face she has enough colour to satisfy you at the moment hasn't she jack said laughing and pixie nodded with ruthless candour because she's blushing what are you blushing for you silly girl it isn't as if i had asked about a heart affair the girls in france were always talking of heart affairs and asking if you were fiance they thought you were very old and must be going to quaff st catherine that means that you are going to be an old maid i said yes of course you were because you were needed at home esmeralda was no use but we could not get on without bridgie you miserable ungrateful child this is my reward for all i have done for you declaimed esmeralda with dramatic emphasis but bridgie's face lit up with a smile of whole-hearted satisfaction thank god whatever her personal disappointment might be she could never feel that she was alone in the world that among all its teeming millions there was no human being whose happiness depended upon her presence she had been spared that worst trial to a woman's heart and pixie's calm taking for granted that she was indispensable to the family circle was the greatest comfort which she could have given no i shan't leave you darling i have too much to do looking after you and those three big boys and when you fly away to nests of your own sylvia and i have all sorts of plans for enjoying ourselves together i have promised faithfully to wheel her about in her bath-chair and i will make your caps i'm clever at millinery said sylvia pretending not to hear jack's murmurs of protest and looking very pretty and animated as she sat erect in her chair and gesticulated with her thin little hands you shall have one with pearl dangles for high days and holidays and nice stiff little black bows for ordinary wear we will knit socks and mittens and play cribbage in the evening and talk over the days of our youth it's almost a pity we know each other now for we shan't be able to romance as much as we would like perhaps the romance will come in some other way perhaps a husband may interfere with the claims of st catherine said geoffrey putting into words the language of jack's eyes and everybody stared at sylvia's face with embarrassing curiosity i shall never marry she said obstinately not that she meant it in the least for she did not but she was one of the girls who foolishly think it the right thing to protest in public and who are mistaken enough to feel a trifle ashamed of the natural womanly longing for someone to love and to protect them which god himself has put in their hearts a few girls there may be who honestly mean such a decision but they are very few indeed while their hearers are invariably skeptical. Not one of the O'Shaughnessy seemed in the least impressed by Sylvia's disclaimer, and it was disconcerting to hear Pixie's sympathetic Did no one ever ask ye? Never mind. They may still you are not so very old. Sylvia made up her mind there and then that it was better to say exactly what one meant in the presence of Miss Pixie O'Shaughnessy. End of chapter 10